So I'm Callum Lee and I'm the founder of Sporting Wellness, which is a charity that provides uh, free mental health care to, to athletes in the UK. Why did you start um, Sporting Wellness? What was it that attracted you to that to that line of work? Yes, yeah, so I was always a cricketer growing up um, and my my big ambition was to progress through the, the cricket system here in the UK um, and eventually try and become a professional. And so that was my big dream all the way throughout my childhood. And then I got to age uh, 18, 19, and I left school and went into this period where it's sort of like now or never. Um, and I started to find that my, my mental health started to take quite a quick downturn. I started struggling with some issues that, that I never expected or struggled with before. Um, and it sort of eventually prompted me to reach out for support and see what was out there in, you know, within my sport. And uh, unfortunately, I was denied access to to any support because I wasn't a professional. And then when I looked into it, not just within cricket, but within all sports in the UK, unless you were a professional athlete in a quite small number of mainstream sports, you didn't have access to to anything at all. And so that really was where the idea to start a charity began. And eventually that's led to Sporting Wellness, which is now one centralized support system for for any representative athlete in the UK um across any sport so yeah that was that was how i got into it and um i've yeah just been loving it since i started really and and how did you actually like practically get started with it cuz i'm i'm one of those guys i've got like a million ideas i've got notes on my phone that are just like business ideas like literally a few hundred and with some of them i just never know how to actually get them off the ground so with this how did you sort of take that first step and say right I'm going to do step one I'm going to do this yeah I, I was probably pretty similar in terms of I've, I've always had like little ideas to do stuff and always been frustrated at myself you know a few months later when I haven't done anything about them um, but there was something around starting my own charity where I, I definitely knew I was going to try and do it I didn't obviously know whether it would be able to get off the ground or not but I knew that I was definitely going to try um, and I actually went on my gap year to Cape Town to play more cricket um, and I so I didn't do anything for the first five months or so from having the idea but then when I came back to the UK um, I think it helped because I wasn't at university and my cricket career and, and dreams of a cricket career were pretty much you know gone so it was almost a case of like, right, if I'm now not doing any cricket, you know, what am I going to do? So um, I think the fact that my cricket ambitions um, were pretty much uh, erased um, during that time, it sort of forced me into going like, right, I'm actually I'm going to do this. And, and I think it helped me just in terms of my own mental health, having like a new purpose and a new um a new mission really and something that I could probably control a lot more than than being a cricketer um so yeah the first steps were were pretty basic to start with um it was things like getting a website built you know looking at what goes into applying for charitable status which was horrendous and and the amount of admin that went into that was shocking um things like social media and, and stuff like that um but as as I'm sure you'll know that's really you know one of the most exciting parts about it um and so the first steps were were pretty tedious looking back but at the time it felt really really exciting 
Um, and yeah, the fact that my cricket career was, was pretty much, um, or ambitions of a cricket career were pretty much gone, pretty much forced me into, uh, into being a lot more proactive with it than if I was still playing cricket. And, and how did it actually work? Like, do you sort of get athletes on a one-to-one basis or do you get clubs? Like, how, how did you actually sort of get your first client, if, if that's the right word, or your first sort of um, person on your books? The, our, our model that we have is essentially we buy a private healthcare contract from a big supplier because the issue that I ran into was um, I didn't have support because there wasn't support available for my level of sport. So it was geared towards the top end. And I think that's the case because there wasn't a system in place that could handle large amounts of capacity. Um, and so that's where we decided to change change the way we were going to do things and create a model where we could have capacity and we could support as many athletes as possible without compromising on the quality and without bogging down what is essentially a startup in loads of admin time um because originally the idea was to have an athlete inquire through our website and then we phone a counselor that's near where they live and then arrange the sessions for the athlete and then pay for them but then we realized pretty quickly um, that if we did that, we'd probably only be able to support, you know, what, 10, 15 athletes a year because we'd just constantly be on the phones. Um, and so, yeah, that's where the idea to, to purchase a healthcare contract, which is obviously a bit of a risk up front because, you know, you, you, you tie yourself into paying X amount per month. Um, but that was where that idea came. And that's essentially meant that, that our capacity is, is so huge um, without compromising on the quality. So that's how it works. An athlete goes onto our website now um, and they fill in a self-referral form. And then within 24 hours, we give them, um, if they're eligible, uh, which most, most athletes thankfully are, we give them access to, to a fully professional, confidential and funded private mental health care system. Nice. No, that makes complete sense. And you're probably the best person to talk about. Obviously, you've got sport and wellness. So you've got the dealing with the athletes, but also the wellness side of things. And it ties in with the question of whether you're an athlete, an individual with no sort of ties or a, an entrepreneur. What are like some of the dangers, especially from the experience you've had with dealing with athletes uh, in this in this um, space? What are the dangers of like putting on a game face, so to speak, like specifically for entrepreneurs as well? Because I do it a lot. I tend to sort of say, no, everything's fine. I'm an entrepreneur. This is like I'm born for this. This is what I'm made for. And I just the, the stress and the pressure just piles on top of each other because I'm always in that like. I guess athletes would put their game face on when they go onto the field or whatever, and they'll, they'll be in that zone and they're like, right, whatever happens, happens on here. But we're obviously being an entrepreneur, there's no, there's no field that you're on specifically so that you can't come away from it. If that makes sense, like you're always in that zone, you're always in that work mode. So what do you think the dangers are of an entrepreneur like us putting that game face on and having to have that on constantly? Do you think there's like any sort of, um, issues with that i'd imagine there, there would be quite a few yeah it's it's an interesting one because i think there are a lot of parallels between um you know being an entrepreneur and, and, and being an athlete um like you said you know being an entrepreneur technically there's the, there's there's the ability to work 
as many hours as you want um which you know sometimes you can start to go down the uh the spiral of you know if if there's an hour where i'm not working on my business or my charity then that's an hour wasted um and i think that the, the the danger is there that you start to fall out of out of love with what you're doing because i think the biggest asset that an entrepreneur has is hopefully the fact that they have such a passion around what they're doing um but i don't think you can really take that passion for granted because um i think you see like a lot of podcasts and a lot of interviews around people saying you know if they have their own business absolutely love what they're doing but i think the more honest ones are the ones that reflect on the fact that you know that there's always going to be a part of any job that you don't enjoy and i think if you only enjoy you know 60 percent of your job um whether that be in entrepreneurialism or 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 not um then i think that's a great result you know only enjoying around you know, 50, 60%. And I think not taking that for granted is is quite important because there's aspects of what I do with sporting wellness that I don't enjoy. Um, but I think it's just recognizing that that's just part of part of what it is. Um, and not taking that for granted is I think quite important because otherwise you get into a space where if you just constantly feed into this idea that, you know, um, that it's absolutely what I love and I'm going to work all the time. And then all of a sudden you, you're going to find that, that that you're not enjoying it at all. And then that's where, you know, your, your, your biggest asset in terms of your passion for that individual organization um, starts to get depleted. So um, I think recognizing that there, there are boring and, and tough parts of every, um, of every job is important. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think not feeding into that hustle culture mentality as well i think it's important because you know you see so many tiktoks and reels nowadays about you know like grinding and stuff like that and and it can be quite easy to to feed into that um i think you've got to take all that sort of stuff with a pinch of salt uh obviously working hard is extremely important um but i think if you're in that mindset of you know have to wake up earlier than everyone else have to do more work than everyone else i think it's a bit of a false narrative to be honest um because if it was that straightforward um you know then 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 everyone would be uh everyone who was up at, at six in the morning you know would have a successful business it's just not the case it's not as linear as that it's a lot more random so yeah I think just keeping things in context appreciating that there's part of your job as an entrepreneur that you're not going to enjoy um and just slugging through it but but realizing that yeah that hustle culture is a bit of a you know it's a, it is a bit of a false narrative I think yeah, yeah. And, and switching gears slightly, um, you, I've seen on your Instagram that you're you've been around like a lot of high profile people, whether that's like politicians, people in government, and athletes, and all of these great people. Um, how do these sort of connections come about for you? Like, is there a, a secret formula to it, or is it just natural from the work you do? And also, what's the what's been the benefit, if any? of being so well connected I'd, I'd imagine it helps your 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 charity a lot by having more connections yeah it, it, it definitely does so so that sort of stuff has obviously come about because of the you know the charity and the cause that we do so you know working in terms of providing mental health support for athletes has meant that you know politicians and, and government departments have reached out because they want to try and help us really um and i think that's a great side of of having a charity that um that that has, has enabled me to really see um to be honest so yeah the first time it happened was 
Uh, Nadine Dorries reached out, he's a Conservative MP. Uh, she was Minister for Mental Health and um, she just reached out and wanted to invite me to London to meet her and and um, and give me as much advice as she could, really. And I think that's one thing with politicians. It's so easy to to judge them based on what you see in the news and stuff. But I think, you know, I, I can only really speak as I as I find them. And with her, for example, she invited me, you know, it, it was no to no benefit to her. Um, there was no big press release about it. You know, it was behind closed doors and she gave me as much advice as she possibly could to try and help my organization. Um, like I said, to absolutely no, you know, real benefit to her. So I think you can only really speak as you find. And then from there, um, yeah, I've been able to meet um, some some really interesting people and, you know, uh, prime ministers and stuff like that. And 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 it is it is a really cool experience. Um, I think you ha always have to remember that you're there to communicate what you're doing to them. You can't get wrapped up in, you know, just wanting to to meet them and have a chat about anything. You know, you have to take that as an opportunity to communicate what you're doing. Um, and, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what party is in government. We're always going to try and work with um, the people who are making those decisions at the top. Um, but, yeah, always a really interesting experience. And we now work with DCMS, the government department, as, as a partner organization. So we, um, yeah, we, we work quite closely with them on, on awareness raising campaigns and stuff. Um, but it is it is an interesting experience, you know, getting to meet people like that because it's just something I didn't think I'd be doing a, a couple of years ago. If you told me I was gonna, um, you know, meet and, and and chat to you know the, the prime minister about my charity, um, yeah. that would have been a very surprising thing. <laughs> to be fair, um, yeah. it's it is a good experience. You just have to remember that you're there to communicate what you're doing and you want to get something out of your charity for it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it is it it is quite cool. I'd imagine that, like you said, it ranks quite high up in your in your sort of memories already with with this journey. What would you say has been the the best moment of this journey, and also what would you say has been the lowest moment? Because um, I'd imagine, like anyone setting up a project of some sort, there's a lot of low moments. But yeah, just wondering if you had like a standout best moment and low moment. The best moment was when we had a um essentially some some feedback from an athlete that we had supported which we don't really get that often because the way our charity works once they're having those counseling sessions with a professional counselor you know we don't go and speak to them and, and ask how they're doing all the time and we, we we essentially leave them be and obviously you know we can't go into a counseling room and and video someone having their counseling sessions so our cause is often behind closed doors really um, so we don't get to hear loads of feedback from the athletes, which in itself sometimes is quite tough just from a development point of view for the charity. But we did get a, a message back from from um, an, an 18 year old um, ice hockey player now who um, essentially said that the support we'd receive has, has possibly saved her life, which mm -hmm. was um, an incredible thing to <clears throat> to, to hear, really. Um and something that until you actually get someone saying that to you, um, it, it's hard to really describe how that feels because A, it's obviously, you know, brilliant that our support has been able to help someone that much. Um, but it also fuels you and, and makes it real in a sense. And 
makes you think, wow, if, if we can have that effect on, on one person, you know, how can we do whatever we can to um, increase the likelihood that we can do that to, to more and more and more people over the long term? Um, so that was fantastic. That was that was probably, uh, yeah, the, the best moment we've had. And then in terms of a low moment, um, like at the end of 2021, we basically had no money at all. Um, our, our costs were, um, you know, outweighing our, our, our income, which isn't a great place for a business to be, obviously. Pretty simple. Um, and yeah, my, my uncle, who was our treasurer at the time, basically rang and said yeah you know we, we, we've got no money uh and we still got healthcare bills to um to pay for and so yeah obviously at that point um i'd be lying if i said that i thought that there was a hundred percent chance the charity was still going to survive you know it was probably more likely at that point that the charity was gonna completely uh collapse because you know we just didn't have any money um and and that was quite a, a tough thing to get my head around and i had a lot of nights where i just wake up in the middle of the night and try and think about how I was going to fix it and working out all our costs for that month and how much money was going to come in for that month and and realizing that we were in a really really bad place was um was quite difficult and uh, I tried to do something about it I tried to launch like a monthly giving program that completely failed or it's failed so far yeah. um but that's a great thing about uh having your own organization um the problems are your own but you know you it's it's up to you to provide a solution that also gives you quite an element of control which is nice but yeah low moment was probably um realizing that we don't have any money um and and yeah if that would have continued for a little bit longer we wouldn't have had a charity um today to be honest um and that's 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 a, a very real part of businesses and charities in especially in their first few years yeah uh what, what's one thing you wish you knew at an earlier stage that would have helped you because it seems like like anyone you've made a few mistakes or got into some sticky positions like anyone starting a project would have done is there anything you wish you would have known back then or perhaps something you wish you could know right now that could get you to the next level i mean there's loads and loads of little things i definitely stumble across like old emails that I'd sent back in you know 2020 when the charity started or 2021 or whatever even last year and I just look and think like what what were you thinking like such a terrible idea um and it it almost makes you cringe but it makes you realize that at the time I thought that was a great idea and I thought you know no way that that wasn't going to work and it's only by actually doing it that that you're going to get any better and your your organization's naturally going to evolve whether it's a business or a charity and it's always going to it's almost a bit like natural selection it's always going to go towards something better if you keep if you keep working at it um and i think just like understanding that um that at the time you are going to make those mistakes but those you have to make those mistakes in order to get the better idea that does work um and so there are loads of little things i think if if I could go back in time, I'd have been much more proactive with the fundraising side of things, which is something I've I've learned and I'm starting to do now. Um, I think I think in the first couple of years I was much too focused on the elements of the charity that I found really fun, so the marketing side of things, working with ambassadors and um, you know merchandise and that sort of stuff, which is great. Um, but I think if I could go back in time, I'd I'd have a much stronger focus on just the 
it, it is a little bit more boring, but but getting getting the money into the charity is so, so vital and being really, really proactive around building a proper revenue stream, which is what we're doing now um, and what we're really starting to do. I think being a lot more proactive around that would have would have been more beneficial um, and not taking the fundraising side of things for granted, because in the first year we basically had COVID uh, and loads of people were doing loads of fitness challenges. Um, I think like May 5K thing was 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 really booming and everyone was doing you know runs for charity and we were a sport mental health charity and so um lots of people raised the money for us basically um and then when covid basically uh finished and everyone started you know going back out and, and living a more normal life that obviously dried up and i don't think i realized that that was going to happen uh if i could go back in time i'd be a lot more proactive around the fundraising and try and put some proper plans in place and not always thinking about the flashy fundraising, you know, whatever you can do to get a grand, two grand into the charity is, is the lifeblood of the, of the organization. So that would be the main thing really. Um, but uh, I probably had to go through that first year to, to realize that. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it sounds like you've definitely gone through a lot and you've learned a lot already. Um, final thing, what is next for you then in, in terms of this project and perhaps like other projects you have on the go? Um, yeah. What, what's next in, in your life? The next thing really is trying to make sure that sporting wellness becomes as sustainable as possible. I don't think um, we're ever going to be an organization that that has to, you know, go from 200K turnover to 500K turnover to a million turnover. And um, a, a great bit of advice that my uncle actually gave me was a lot of charities get sucked into this capitalism growth mindset, 10x growth and stuff like that. And in businesses, that's great. But when it comes to charities, you don't you don't need to constantly be thinking about, you know, um, doubling turnover each year. You, you more have to think about how much you need to raise to have a really big impact and if you want a greater impact how much more you know that needs to be and and i think sustainability is a lot more important for charities um than you know 10x growth and so i think putting the 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 building blocks in place for that really is is the main thing for us um in in terms of me i'm, I'm moving down to london which I'm really looking forward to um, and I think there's going to be some great benefits to, to living in a city like that, 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 you know, hopefully I'll, I'll start to realize in terms of speaking to more people, connecting with more people, um, sharing ideas with, with people from the mental health sector and charity sector in general. Um, but yeah, going forward, it's, it's, it's almost doing the boring work really and making sure that the sustainability is there so that we can support as many athletes in the long term um and and, and be around you know still thriving in the next 10 20 years perfect well i wish you nothing but the best i'm sure you got it all under under control and, and we're here if you need any help thank you so much for today i really appreciate your time mate no thank you for having me on it's been brilliant